0: Welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV, the classic TV podcast. We remember and celebrate all things and everything classic TV. While I am still on the mend, I do not feel or sound as horrible as I did last time we got together, but since I am feeling better and I don't sound as terrible as I did a couple days ago, we wanted to get an episode together and I want to jump back on and go ahead and do it right away. Because it just, you know, was something we wanted to put out there immediately. Don't have any notes like, you know, I usually do. This is all off the cuff. But we saw a really terrific documentary last night. And uh, the documentary is called The Greatest Night in Pop. The We Are the World documentary. And it dropped on Netflix on the 29th. And it's also available on YouTube. And it just basically breaks it all down as how We Are the World came into being. We Are the World, definitely one of the biggest songs of the 80s and the biggest song of 1985, no doubt. And the documentary is about an hour and a half in length. And it really gives you a lot of information about how it all came together, how they pulled it all together, and what it all, what all happened during that one night. Because they did this on one night. They got it all together very quickly to bring this amazing song to fruition. And I mean, all of the, 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 the I mean, we're talking the biggest Musical stars of the day. Michael Jackson, Billy Joel, Tina Turner, Cyndi Lauper, Steve Perry, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, Kim Carnes. I mean, the list is endless. How in the world That they get all of these big musical stars together in the same room and create this song in one night? Not to mention all the egos, because, I mean, you know, you're a celebrity, you know, having an ego tends to come with the territory. So how did they make it all happen? Well, Lionel Richie was interviewed, along with Kenny Loggins, along with a lot of other behind-the-scenes people, and it is definitely a documentary that we highly recommend. Now, 1985, I was your typical teenager. My sister was a little thing at the time. This is one of the first songs that she remembers, actually. It's not the first song she remembers, but it is definitely one of the first because it was such of a big, big deal. I mean, you don't have to be have a part of Gen X to appreciate this song or to have been affected by it. You know its impact. Um, I, of course, was a in eighth grade, and I was your typical teenager. You know, um, always on the phone and always, you know, in front of the TV watching the latest music videos, always like listening to the stereo, listening to the radio, you know, I, you know, was, you know, had lots of girlfriends and passing my, you know, you know, we didn't just pass notes in school, we wrote notes to each other, which is so funny because we saw each other all the time, but we would still write letters to each other. (laughs) Those were really great days to be a teenager, to be a kid. The 80s just, they're just something special. That's a decade that will never come close to being duplicated. You know, a lot of people currented a lot of the fashions of that time, which yes, some of the fashions were pretty way out there and they kind of, you know, need to stay in the 80s, but it was a great time to grow up in. And so when we saw this documentary last night, we got so nostalgic for that time. I mean, to the point of tears, it was just very, very heartwarming to see this this documentary, to see all those faces and hear all those voices and to see how they brought all of them together and how they were able to... Actually, even put a song together of this nature with all of those performers. Um, We won't give away very much about the informative aspect of it because we don't spoil things for our listeners. We don't want to spoil anything for you. We want you to go out there and check it out and watch it on either Netflix or YouTube and see how it all came into being for yourselves. But, uh, I will say that um, I first heard about We Are the World on the phone with some of my girlfriends. Now, I was pretty well liked in school. I wasn't the most popular kid, but I always was very well liked. And uh, I remember that a couple of girlfriends called me on the phone, and when I saw them in school as well. They're like, Did you hear about this new song they're going to get together? It's going to be Steve Perry. It's going to be Michael Jackson. It's going to be Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, what? First of all, I thought they—they, they, you know—they had their wires crossed. I'm like, how in the world are they gonna get a song together with all of them on it? I mean, I get a couple of of, of them, but I mean, that those many people as y'all are naming. I mean, how is that even? Are y'all sure? And of course, you know. They continued, you know, to talk about, oh, they're going to have, you know, they started telling me more artists who were going to be in the song. You know, they're going to have, you know, Sidney Lauper and Huey Lewis. And they're going to have Lionel Richie. They're going to have Willie Nelson. And they're going to, like I said, have Stevie Wonder. And I'm like, really? That's going to be one amazing song with all of them on it. And of course, then you started seeing it in the magazines. Jet, People, Ebony, Time. Live, Newsweek, Rolling Stone. And then you knew that nobody's wires were crossed after all. And then you started seeing all the coverage on TV. And we didn't get MTV. We didn't have cable. We had to go up to our grandparents' house to get cable. Um, So we didn't have MTV, but we still had Friday night videos. We had all the other video programs that came on on the weekends on the affiliate stations. We were never out of the loop when it came to music videos. And of course, they were all talking about this brand new song. that was going to be coming out. It's going to be called We Are The World. So there was a lot of anticipation about this song coming out. What was it going to be like? And how was it going to sound? You know, just all of the details. Of course, it was all... You know, to raise money for famine relief in Africa, because there were there was a serious, serious need for monetary and financial help in Africa, because there was a very deadly, very serious famine going on. And uh, I think a lot of us, I mean, my family and I, we watch the news every night. We watch the. National news every night. By 1985, we're watching ABC with Peter Jennings, World News Tonight. We watched the local news as well. But a lot of people, even if they were watching the news on a nightly basis, they weren't paying anything going on in Africa any attention. If it wasn't something that was affecting them directly. If it was something in their backyard. It, they were not paying any attention to it. it didn't make any difference. So, um, we heard heard about hunger extreme hunger in Africa and the ramifications of it but this song not only would bring that issue to the forefront but it would raise money for those who needed it the most because the artists they 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 were they, they they weren't paid for this a lot of people think that they were paid no they weren't paid they volunteered their time and their talent to be a part of this project. There was no one involved in who was paid. Everyone who was there, um, they did it for free. And all of the proceeds, of course, went for this specific cause. So um, everyone who bought the record, bought the, you know, the album, whatever, you know, all the money went for famine relief. So it was really exciting. I mean, it was, like I said, the the roster of celebrities, of stars, singers on that record of that recording was phenomenal. It still is phenomenal even to this day. Now, they had done the Band Aid, um, Do They Know It's Christmas in 1984, that, um, you know, the latter part of the year. And that was, you know, that was a big hit. That made waves. But um, Harry Belafonte wanted something to be done here in the U.S. and he wanted it to be even bigger than what Band-Aid had been. And so he, and Lionel Richie, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, and all these other people, they all began to, you know, want to get something going and get a song out there and, and really, really, really make a mark. And so that's how We Are The World first began to come into being. Now, the one thing that we didn't know about that we'll go ahead and let you in on is that this, because he had all these, you know, singers and they all had different schedules and in and, and, and different parts of the country, some of them and all that. They all agreed that they were going to do this the night of the American Music Awards. Now, in the 80s, the, 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 American, the American Music Awards still comes on, but I have not watched it within the past couple of years. Um, But in those days, it was must-see TV. We all, everyone in school, watched the American Music Awards. And that particular broadcast, I think it's on YouTube, Lionel Richie hosted it. So he really had a lot to do. He was hosting it. He won a couple of awards, and he had to leave there and immediately go and record this song. And of course, Quincy Jones was the perfect one to bring it all together. Quincy Jones, extremely talented. He had worked with, you know, Frank Sinatra, Count Basie, Leslie Gore. He had composed the Sanford and Son theme song, the Ironside theme song. So he was perfect for dealing with all those egos. Now, he did request the sign he put up, check your egos at the door. But uh, I think they kind of tried to do that, but were not necessarily successful with it. So he was the perfect one to handle all those big stars, and all those big egos, because he was used to dealing with big stars and big egos. But um, they all got together at A&M Studios the night after the American Music Awards in January 1985, and that was when they brought this recording to fruition. Of course, the song was a number one hit for four weeks. It was released that April if I recall, of 1985. And I mean, that song was all over the radio, to say the least. I mean, you were were hearing it every 15 minutes on the radio. The video was everywhere. You're seeing it literally every 15 minutes as well, or every 30 minutes tops. Um, It was just everywhere. and Everyone had a favorite part me and all my, you know, my sister, you know, our mother, even our girlfriends, they all had a favorite part. Or one of my girlfriends, her favorite part was the Steve Perry part. My favorite part was the part where you had, um, Huey Lewis, Kim Carnes, and Steve Lopper, and they all harmonized together, um, kind of at the end of their, they each had their own individual part and then they all, you know, came together in a, you know, in a harmony. And uh, that was my favorite part. But uh, the song, like I said, was a huge hit. Of course, it hit hit number one and it was at the number one spot for four weeks. And of course it won a couple of Grammys the following year, including Record of the Year and uh, raised millions of dollars for famine relief and it was just something that was I mean we were all so excited about that song we just were all so the euphoria that we all felt about that song it it just was it's hard to put into words very hard to describe but when you watch this documentary it all comes back to you full circle all of it comes right back to you um And, I mean, it was, like I said, just such a fun time. I remember I was in the um, school choir. And, of course, they wanted us to sing We Are the World. And we're like, we're going to screw it up. Because our choir was really bad. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be truthful about that. Our choir was lousy. (laughs) Because we didn't care about singing. And, well, I mean, some of the kids in the choir did care about singing. Me and my girlfriends, we didn't care. I mean, we were sitting at the back and we were eating We were passing notes. We're back there drinking lemonade and, 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 and Hawaiian punch. And we were lip syncing. We didn't care about singing. Now, when I was in school choir in elementary school, I was way more dedicated. But by eighth grade, I was just there because, well, my girlfriends were in there. Some of them were. And of course, it was an easy class. It was an easy A. You know, my girlfriend, hey, take choir. You know, you'll be in there with us, seventh grade, last period. You know, it's a great way to wrap up the school day. And then after that, we go home. So, yeah, I joined school choir. And Of course, our choir teacher was absolutely a doll. Wonderful, wonderful. Lady was six feet tall. And she was big boned. And she had a heart of gold. She was very motherly. And she was very sweet. And so sometimes when she would get really exasperated with us, we would go ahead and try to sing just to you know, please her because she was so sweet, so nice. But um, we were like, why in the world do y'all want us to sing that? We're going to mess up the song. And we didn't do that great with it. And of course, you know, they, you know, gave, you know, the the solo parts to the the really popular kids. And of course, I didn't care because I didn't want a solo part. Some of the other kids were not happy about it. You know, oh, they would give the, you know, the popular kids the solo parts. And I was like, I'm glad that I didn't get one because I can't sing anyway. And I don't want to be in that position messing up this amazing song with my lousy singing. So I was fine being you know in the back with the whole thing but uh, we were rehearsing for it after school and you know one or two rehearsals I missed because I had to catch the school bus home and you know I couldn't stay until six thirty in the evening you know to rehearse because um, I lived quite a ways away and so you know I missed two rehearsals but I made the ones that I could and um, the school orchestra and the band they played while we sang and you It's funny because at first we were all really nervous about singing it, but then as we got really into the song, we got way better at it. We gave that song a lot of passion, gave it a lot of um, heart. (laughs) But uh, like I said, that was a very fun period in both of our lives in regard to my sister and myself. So watch that documentary, not only, like I said, was it very nostalgic, it brought back a wave, a flood of of very happy memories, but it was very informative. Like I said, we're not going to give out all of the details, um, because like I said, we don't want to spoil it. It's definitely something we recommend watching, and you can find out about why and how everything went down, you know, for yourselves. I will say, one thing that I always wondered, why were Prince and Madonna not included? Because Prince, oh my gosh, Prince was beyond huge. You know, he had, had Purple He had purple Rain the year before, which had gone diamond. And, um, you know, that was an album we listened to every day. Every day my sister and I would listen to that. When I get home from school, we, after I got my homework done, we would put on, after we had dinner, we put on Purple Rain every single day. Um, and then Madonna, of course, had blown up with her Like a Virgin album, Material Girl and all that. So she was huge. And that was something that I wondered, you know, several of us wondered that, but we didn't think about it too, too much because, hey, look who was a part of the songs. We didn't think about them too much, but in years since, I have thought about, well, why were they not, my sister and I, we've discussed it a couple times, well, why were they not a part of We Are The World? You know, they were the only things that were missing. Well, we found out last night why they were not included, and we won't go into why, Because we will save that for you to find out yourselves. But again, the documentary is called The Greatest Night in Pop. The We Are the World documentary. It is on Netflix and it is on YouTube. So we highly recommend it. Whether you, like I said, grew up during that time like we did. Or whether you were not even around yet at that time. Or whether you were an adult with three kids and a mortgage. It's definitely something Worth watching, but uh, we just wanted to kind of let you know about the documentary in case you didn't know. Give you some, you know, share some of our happy memories of having been kids during that time with you, and also let you know that we highly recommend it. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and jump off and go get some uh, something to eat and take a little bit more medication as I continue to recover from that nasty bug. But I'll be back. We'll have another episode coming up either later this week or certainly early next week. Thank you for joining us today and for your support of this podcast. Don't forget to hit that follow button so you will never miss an episode. Thank you for your ratings, your reviews. Above all, thank you for your time and we will see you on the next episode.